Father, we thank you for your word, for your truths to us. Um, thank you for um, showing us how to live, showing us that uh, we can't live apart from you, apart from Christ. And we, so we thank you for the gospel, for saving us, for redeeming us, um, and help us to uh, live as children um, um, of you, Father, and that we would uh, be true to who we are, God. So thank you so much for everything. We love you. We pray in your son's name. Amen. All right, so this is the... Today we're doing the tenth commandment, the tenth word, which is "you shall not covet," right? And so, um, uh, let me read Exodus, Exodus twenty seventeen for us, uh, really quick here. It says, "You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his male servant, his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's." Right? And so, um, it seems kind of weird to to end the tenth commandment on "you shall not covet," right? Uh, but if you think about it, if you look at look at the um, kind of the Ten Commandments, you see the first one was no other gods, right? <coughs> no other gods. And then here, Ten Commandments said, don't covet, right? No covet. And at the heart of both of these is is idolatry, right? So no other gods because God is a creator. He is he's um, um, he is all we should praise and worship, right? Um, and the bottom one, um, the tenth word, you shall not covet, is that at the heart of it, it's idolatry, right? You should, you should be content with um, who you are as uh, as a um, <coughs> as a son of God, right? And so no covet. So these are both these both talk about idolatry, right? No, no, no idols, no idols. So it's kind of like a sandwich. Here's the other thing, right? And then. Uh, so it kind of caps it off. It caps off, um, caps off the Ten Commandments, and we see that at the heart of the Ten Commandments is God is uh, God is the only um, only um, it's the only thing we should praise and worship. Uh, we shouldn't uh, have any false idols. We shouldn't um, um, you know we shouldn't steal. We shouldn't kill people. We don't need to do all those things because we have God, and He He gives us life. And uh, we can, we are also to give life uh, when when we know that we can find uh, true joy and contentment in God. Right. I really so. like that because um, we started out the series by saying um, God says first, keep me first. Yeah. And then He says second, keep me first. <coughs> and then last, keep me first. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> you know, yeah. Really pounding that into us. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's not just like oh, do this, do this, do this. Right. It's just it's not just a list of like strict commandments. Though it is right, but um, but ultimately it's just love me. I know that I'm your God. I will care for you. I will take care of you. Right? And so this is the beauty of the Ten Commandments, right? Um. So if you if you look at, uh, at the box Exodus twenty seventeen, you see that um, the commandment is to um, it says not to co- it says don't covet your neighbor's house. Or his wife, right? These are all singular items, right? And so I think when we think of, um, sometimes we might think of idolatry as, oh, for example, Hanson has a, a lot of shoes, right? It's like, oh, don't don't covet your shoe collection. It's not just that. It's don't co- don't even covet one shoe. That's that's the extent of um, how the the law is that we are not to covet anything. At the it, it caps it off at the bottom. It says, or anything that is your neighbor's, right? Um, and so so. The command is strict. It's, it says, "Don't covet. Don't covet at all, whatsoever." Right? Make sense? 
Okay, so let's talk about uh, the first point is what is the difference between desiring and coveting? Desiring things is not wrong in itself, right? Um, we know that God has given us good things for us to um, desire. Um, so, so what what is the difference between these two? I, I know it's right there, but <laughs> what do you guys think? What is the difference between desiring and coveting? We can say that coveting is a very strong desire. We can say that it's it's a inordinate desire that is self-serving, right? Um, and it elevates our desire for things over our desire for God, right? So ultimately, covetousness is idolatry, right? And so we can desire, for example, we can desire a wife, we can desire a home, right? We can say home, um, wife, we can lump these two together, right? Uh, what else do we desire what are some of our our natural desires a job yeah career security financial and we can lump all those things together um These are all good things we can desire, right? Um, I can desire um, uh, a life of um, uh, just a secure life, knowing that uh, uh, you're taken care of, right? Desire food, right? And so, but once we once we go crazy with these things, it moves towards coveting, right? So it's an inordinate desire. Um, all these things can be all these good things can be turned into bad things, right? Um, and so, so coveting, we, it moves into, okay, I still want this home, but what am I going to do? What can I do to get that? Does that make sense? Like, what can I do to get this wife husband? What, what can I do to get this job? Um, and ultimately, at the heart of things, then it's just um, discontentment. Discontentment in your heart. Um, and you begin to... You're, you'll be able. To, you'll begin to move towards sinful ways to get things, right? I guess, I guess, yeah. Um, a good estimate is to ask yourself, like, what would happen if you don't get it? Yes. Well, how would you respond? Yeah. Yeah. yeah would you? I think, I think on that, like, the the, the word inordinate, mm-hmm. um, it means out of order. So, <coughs> if your desire is subordinate <coughs> to other things, so you desire home, but you do you, you do not desire. Is above God, or you do not desire it above crime, or something like that. But if it's inordinate, it's out of order and it's on the top. So there's nothing else more important. Everything else 
you're willing to step on and cross over for that. Yes. Yeah, so your desires are out of order, it's so strong above God that um, you begin to, it determines your actions, basically. You begin to find ways to do uh, do certain things and um, that, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's all out of whack, right? So, um, and we know that we all covet to some degree, right? And, and I think the perfect example um, of, of coveting is you see it in your, your young kids, right? Like, I see this I see this every single day. Like, um, one of the kids will pick up something. Like, nobody's playing with this toy. One of the kids will pick up something, and immediately, like, they'll freak out. Like, no, that's mine, right? This happens every single day, right? And so, so we see that um, <laughs> that we all covet to some degree. Kids, maybe I wouldn't even say worse than a, worse than adults, apparently. But, <laughs> but uh, um, it's just crazy how when we see somebody have something, we we want to have it, right? The guy have it, right? That's great. I was gonna say. Yeah, I think a lot of times coveting, like. From someone's personal pride, and then it becomes like jealousy, or it's driven by jealousy. Yeah, like a lot of times it's just like, yeah. oh man, it's just jealousy. The jealousy is like the big thing that, uh, like even for me, like I see someone else, I'm like, dang man, I want that. You know? It's like, yeah. <clears throat> That's good. Yeah. So, um, so it can, it can include. It could include, uh, touching on that, it can include um, comparing yourself to others, right? Uh, desiring, <coughs> a desire for distinction. Um, and, you know, you know it's really bad when you delight in um, in people's failures, right? Because a lot of times we just compare ourselves to others. And then when we, um, we sinfully delight that someone um, just fails in one area or is struggling because then it makes you feel comfortable, right? Because ultimately you're covering all that, that, um, that distinction you're coveting, um, that feeling of being better than others, right? Um, so it gets crazy, right? So, any thoughts on that? Any other questions? Feedback? All right, so the second point is we are not to covet anything, right? Uh, coveting leads to other sins. A desire is at the root of every conflict. Um, and before we read these two, uh, these two James passages, um, we see examples of this, right? Um, like in First Kings... Uh, 21, the, um, I have it here. It's uh, uh, Naboth, Naboth's vineyard, right? Um, and so, uh, um, so Ahab, King Ahab, right? He 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 covets. Uh, he sees Naboth's vineyard, and he's like, "Oh, I want that." And then Naboth, uh, um, Naboth's like, "No, you can't. Right? It's it's our people's, right?" And he goes. Then he goes back to his palace, and then um, um, Jezreel, like she, they 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 plan out this this whole thing to um, get rid of. Naboth and take over his vineyard, right? And they go through these these crazy elaborate plan of of um, falsely accusing him, and ultimately he's stoned to death, so that so that Ahab can take his um, <coughs> take his vineyard, right? And we see this in Second Samuel too, um, with uh, King David, um, the story with Bathsheba. He sees Bathsheba, he's like, oh, she's beautiful, right? I gotta have her, right? And so so he he uh, has her up, and um, and then. Um, they have a baby together, and he's like, "Oh man, we gotta hide this." So, he, he, he really he murders his um, he murders uh, um, her husband, right? And so he does this because he coveted someone's wife, right? He says, "I must have that, and I will do whatever it takes to to uh, to get her," right? And so we see that um, when we covet something, it leads to other sins. We will do whatever we can to get it. Um, 
And so James 4, 1 to 3, Carmen, can you read that for us? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. So so he's talking about, um, uh, it says explicitly, right? It says you desire, you do not have, so you murder. You covet, you can't. You can't get it, so you fight and quarrel, right? You 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 make a fight, <coughs> right? Um, and it says um, this, va- uh, this last uh, verse. It says, "You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly." So, so we're asking for for the wrong things. We're asking for um, our self-serving, our selfish desires. Um, we ask wrongly to spend it on our on our passions, right? Passions, um, our evil desires for for. Um, for things, right? So our inordinate desire for things, right? James three sixteen. Rox, can you read three sixteen for us? For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so disorder, right? In order, um, there will be. So a, a good example is. Um, so I, I finished. Uh, I finished my last semester at seminary recently, and. And then I'm like, oh, I need to reward myself, right? Um, <laughs> let me get a. I, I want this PS4, right? And so I was looking at Craigslist, I'm about used to then this cheap, right? And so, so yesterday, um, I was supposed to meet up with this guy, and as um, it is, it's a used PS4, and then, uh, and then, and so okay, so the thing fell through, right? And so I was like, oh, <coughs> man, that's like. So let me just uh, let me go to the store and just buy a new one, right? And so I tell this to Lauren, she's like, no, why would you do that, right? <laughs> And and I'm like and I got I got really angry when she said that, you know, and I knew that it was wrong of me to get. I knew that I didn't need it, but um, I was like, I I must have it in in my simple heart. I was like, I must have this PS4, and then, so I was I was angry at Lauren for a good couple hours, you know, um, and so it's crazy, right? It's we just covered all these weird things that we don't even need. Um, yeah, I think, and I think yeah. out there, it's not. Wrong to desire something, yes. even strongly. Yes. Um, but it's the question of inordinate, I mean, out of order desire. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there are certain things that are higher up on your desire um, scale, and they should be to honor God, to love others. And if something blocks your desire, yes. then you say, well, these other desires are greater and stronger mm-hmm. and higher, and therefore I'll be, I'll accept. Yes. Um, because I think, like, for example, like, if you're a single person and you, you desire a husband or, or, or a wife, it's very okay to desire it very yes. strongly. Yes. It's not wrong. But what is wrong is to be angry at God. Because if you're angry at God, what you're really saying is, I'm, <coughs> you. I'm not going to accept what you're saying. Because it's <coughs> out of order. Yeah. Right? Or if you begin to sin against others, even for the yes. of, yeah, sinning against God and others. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? Yeah. So, so yeah. Like Michael said, even strong desires are okay. Um, it just shouldn't be out of order. It shouldn't. We shouldn't elevate these things above God, where we'll eventually sin against God or others. Right. But yeah, of course. Like I think a lot of us um, 
um, fall into this category of wanting um, a home, a wife, a husband. Yeah, because I think a lot, of, a lot of times we say, oh, we don't want to cover it. Yeah. We just have to desire little. Yes. Oh, I don't really want exactly. anything. I'm cool. That's not true, and that's not authentic. Yeah. Um, the real the thing is to cultivate a deeper, higher, greater desire for other things other than. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Okay. <coughs> Yeah, I have a question. Yes. Uh, and then where I, I know that it's okay to have desires, but then where does the idea of like dying to yourself or like denying yourself, like how does that play? Um, I would, I think like like Michael says, like it's not, uh, not necessarily desiring things less, but how how I how I see that is that I desire, um, a desire to know God ultimately, right? And so when you have when, when um. When it's not out of order, when I do want to everything I want to do, I want to do for God. Then the things become um, less. So you're willing to sacrifice certain things, um, not for for that order to stay intact, right? Um, so if if I desire uh, something, um, um, if I desire this life more than I desire um, being content in God, um, then then yeah, that that would be out of order. And in that sense, you would have to. Deny yourself in that area. I guess. Me, 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 I don't. Uh, I don't it's kind of like, you know, like if you're on a diet plan, you <coughs> desire ice cream. But then if you're healthy and if you're, you're going to be healthy, you're going to desire health more than, or fitness more than ice cream. So then you let the higher desire control the lower yes. desire. That's exactly, yeah. That's when the true. lower desire controls the higher or yes. trumps the higher desire, that's when you get that. <laughs> yeah. So you don't let the lower trump the higher. That's ex- yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to put that. Yeah. Thank you. I have a question. Yes. Now. How do you quantify the higher desire? Like, like how do you quantify? Is it like you read an hour of the Bible every day? How do you quantify the higher desire? How do you um, manage the ratios of desire? Sorry, I'm a uh, person. So. Um. If I'm, if I'm. Uh, if I understand your question correctly, the, our desire is always to be for God. Yeah, right. We're to have no other gods. We're not to covet anything. Um, and so it's it's okay that we desire certain things. Um, we certainly we desire some things more than others, right? Um, I don't desire. Oh, I don't desire. Um, I don't desire uh, shoes, right? I don't. I don't care for shoes, <laughs> right? And so some people will have strong <coughs> desires for other things, um, but ultimately we ca- we're never to let our our other lower desires trump our desire for God. If we begin to um, get angry at God or uh, be uh, discontent, um, and we um, we fuss and we throw a fit and um, we're not content with what we have, even if we don't get what we want, then then you know that it's out of order. That shouldn't be. So I don't know if that's it. No, no, I'll just Yes, please. Uh, if, if there's I'm, if I understand the question correctly, like how do we quantify yeah. our likings of Christian? Mm-hmm. So I, I would say there are three things that we can use as maybe measuring sticks. Number one is how much time we've spent thinking about it. Number two is look at our internet history. Um, how much of our history includes that sort of stuff? Number three is our checkbook, our credit card statements. If those things take an inordinate amount of resources mm-hmm. or time or thought, I think that might be a sign that, hey, maybe... This is a little bit out of the box. Well, and it's also has like a ripple effect into your relationships, right? Like if you're yeah. 
be bad if you went to the store and purchased it yes. brand new. Yes. But the fact that it caused a rift between you and your wife, that's the out of order. Yes. Like it, its priority is below the health of your marriage. Yeah. And so that, because that caused conflict there, that was the problem. Not necessarily your desire exactly. to want it. Um, okay, so point three: we are to be content and satisfied in God in our satisfied in God in our lives. That sounds funny. So we know to covet is is really to be dissatisfied with God, like saying our desires are greater than God. Um, so uh, and we can we can uh, use the example um, of the rich young ruler, right? Um, he was not able to. Jesus said, "Okay, sell everything you have and follow me." Right? He's like, oh, God, I'm, just, "I'm so wealthy," right? And so he wanted he wanted God, but he didn't want God, right? He wanted Jesus, but he didn't want Jesus enough, right? Um, and so that was out of whack. That was an inordinate desire for his security, his wealth. Right? He wasn't able to give that up. Um, but we know that God is all we need, right? And so contentment is an issue of trusting that God is enough in every circumstance. Um, and I would say that it's not just uh, solely being... It's not just about being content with what we have, though that is the case, right? But it's it's um, uh, knowing that God is all we need, right? And so we can um, we can even say that oh, if God has taken away your home, if if your something goes down and your family's not there anymore, right? Will you lose that discon- Will you lose that contentment and become <coughs> discontent with God, thinking why would you do this, right? Um, Job is a perfect example, right? He says uh, he. Um, God gives, he takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord, right? So, um, contentment is fundamentally a heart issue of, like, God is all we need, right? Um, all the, I see it as uh, everything else is just uh, extra blessings from God, uh, my family, my kids, right? Um, but my desire is, is really for God, and, and I want to learn that contentment. I want to know that he is all I need, right, in any circumstance, Make sense. So, I mean, we we can we can uh, another example is kind of the um, um, the the poor widow. She gives her her um, all all that she has, right? And she's she God has placed her in this position. She is this widow. She's this poor widow. Um, and there's the other the uh, the rich person that gives a lot, but he already has a lot, right? This poor widow. And so the situation is both sovereignly ordained by God, right? So we. What that means is we cannot say that we earned where we are um, ultimately, right? Um, God has placed us where we are. Um, some people, we could we could have easily been born into uh, a family of, of that's poor, right? We could have been born into poverty. Um, and so the idea is still that we are to be content in God, whatever our situation, in every circumstance, right? And so the widow the widow understood this, and she, she gave all she had, right? Um so let's look at Hebrews thirteen five. Uh, Ash, can you read Hebrews for us? Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, this is perfect, right? It says, you don't have to love money. You can just be content with what you have. Why? Because ultimately we have God. That is everything. I mean, this, this verse like sums up, I would say sums up the whole contentment issue, right? Is I will never leave you nor forsake you. Like, is that enough? Like, is God enough for us where we don't have to um, desire all these like crazy things um, above Him? Right? Um, do we need 
do we need to have a certain lifestyle in order to be happy with God, right? Say, so, oh, if I could get to this certain point, then I'll be content in God. It doesn't work like that, right? It says in every circumstance, we are to be content with God. Um, why? Because we have God. That's all we need. He says so. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? And so do we trust that? Ultimately, it's the issue of trust. Do we trust that God is there? Do we trust that he is enough? Um, and do we do we trust that um, he will provide for us? He will take care of us no matter the situation, right? Uh, Philippians 3, 7 to 8. Tracy, can you read that for us? But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Yeah, so Paul here like, really understands what it means. He says nothing, he counts everything as, as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. That's all he needs, right? And so we use this a lot, but we use this verse a lot, but I think it, it's, it's really what we're striving towards. It's really what we want to go towards and what we should move towards, right? Um, in order that I may gain Christ. That means it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter our circumstances. It doesn't matter if we lose our jobs. It doesn't matter if we lose our homes, our families, right? Um, at the heart of things, we need to be content with where God is. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's okay that we desire to, to keep these things safe, um, but... If it's out of order, if we, if if this becomes um, like Michael said, if we take the lower desires and and it trumps our desires for God, um, then that then that's when you know you're sinning, right? That's when you know it's wrong. Um, what do I have here? So, so knowing this, right? Knowing that God is there for us, knowing that God's not going to forsake us, like uh, we know that we can trust Him because of that, right? Um, and also because because he has saved us, right? He has made us new. He we are his children, so he's going to care for us, right? Um, and so um, the second sub point is that we can find true joy and contentment in God because of who we are in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, Colossians three one to ten. Let me let me read this for us. It says, "If then you have been raised with Christ, so we're believers now. We've been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God." Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So again, this is who we are. Our life is hidden in Christ with God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is talking about the resurrection. I put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming, so he's going to come and judge these things. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away because we are we are his, right? We are new. Um, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, right? And so we know that we are God's image bearers. We know that when we um, are saved, we become... Um, this new creation, we become, we're working towards being these image bearers we were created to be, right? To be perfect, right? And so we don't need to have, to have these desires. Like we can, all we need is contentment. All we need is contentment, being content in God, right? And so, let me use it. We can draw this. So here's, maybe this is wrong, but it's okay. 
There's new. This is our new self. This is our old self. And we're slowly pulling it apart, right? It says, put to death our old self and uh, put on this new self, right? And so, yes, we're both, um, um, in this life, uh, in this earth life, we're still, we're still both, right? We're, we're both justified, yet we're still sinners. But it says here that we're to um, put to death our old selves. We're to put on this new self. And so, because we know who we are, because we know that God loves us, he redeems us, he saves us, and he makes us new. This is who we're called to be. We're called to be these um, these people, this holy and blameless people. And this is what we're working towards, right? And so we're, it's kind of like this pulling apart. We're, we're, uh, we're pulling away this, this old, our old selves, right? Um, Ephesians 5, 1 to 5. Um, uh, Joe, can you read that for us? Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragment of... A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as it's proper among saints. Let there be no <clears throat> filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexual immoral, sexually immoral or impure, or who is covet, covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Yeah. So again, it says it says here in bold, like as beloved children, we are children. We are made new, right? So now we have to um, put this to death. This is this is our commandments. We're to um, we're to know that who we are in Christ, um, who we are as as children of God. Now we can walk in love, because uh, as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. And so Christ died so that we can be this person, right? And so we can begin to separate out uh, who these things, right? Um, any thoughts or, or comments, questions? Cool. Let's move on to First Timothy six. Henson, can you read that for us? <coughs> now there is great gain in <laughs> now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we had, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, Flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Yeah, thanks. So again, it's just we're doing the same point. Um, it's talking about believers, O oh man of God, right? So there's great gain in God, um, godliness with contentment, um, knowing that ultimately our situation is completely up to God, right? It's not up to us. Um, and so that, that has to mean that no matter where we're put, no matter... What our circumstance, um, God is is working um, to show us that He is all we need, that we can be content in Him, right? Any other thoughts? Okay. So next point, we are to we are to be selfless servants rather than selfish and self-serving. Romans thirteen nine. Uh, tough. Can you read that first? Um, the commandments. You should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this <coughs> word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. 
So, I mean, if we remember when we looked at the um, other commandments, we saw that um, a lot of them were were destroying of life, uh, basically, right? But the positive command is to to give life, right? We're to give be light, um, life givers, right? In our in our actions, in our words, right? That's why we don't have false testimony. That's why we don't kill, murder. That's why we don't steal, right? Because rather than being self-serving and taking things in, we're to give life, right? Because God has given us life. Um, and so it sums it up. Um, um, sums it up here is that you shall love all these commandments. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? So why are we not to, why are we not to covet, right? It's because we're to give life. We're to, um, we're to uh, uh, love others, right? We're not to be self-serving with who we are, with our the things that we have and <coughs> our desires, right? But we're to desire for the good of others. So instead of coveting our neighbors, we're supposed to be happy for them yeah. and have stuff that we really want. <laughs> Instead of saying, I really want handsome suit shoes, I should be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why are we picking on handsome? Handsome is the best one. We should be happy he loves that one. <laughs> no, but like, that's, that's kind of, yeah. right? Yeah. No, Cause like, like, really? No, because like, alright. So genuinely, like, there'll be times where I'm like, eh, you got some sneakers, man. Like, uh, <laughs> it's like, I wanted those, right? And then, and then I learned like, oh, no, then, then remember I said it was like jealousy? Like, oh, it was jealousy, but then, if I say, like, oh, man, I'm just happy that you got them, then yeah. I feel like I'm not um, coveting or desiring it as much, but I'm just like, oh, man, I'm just happy you got them. Yeah. So, like, I, I, that's why I would say I would agree with that, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me, man. you the teacher. <laughs> I, I feel like um, what the Bible is calling us to do is so difficult because mm-hmm. I find myself all the time making comparisons. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I don't know where I stand unless I compare myself with others, right? And, and um, I feel good when I, I feel like on the scale I'm higher up, and I feel really terrible about myself when I'm down on the scale. And, and to not play that game or not to, to um, determine my worth or my happiness based on how I'm doing relative to others is like a paradigm <coughs> change. It's like so difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I mean like, um, you know, like what, what, one of the things is like I think I think Michael's a really great teacher, so I'm like, oh man, if I could just learn from him, and if I could just be like that, then everyone will uh, love me. And so, so yeah, there's a sense of like, oh, if I can get there, if I can get there. But really, the, the call is that, oh man, I should be happy that Michael is serving the church, he's loving others, and um, how can I support him? How can I love him? And and wherever God, whatever gifts God has given me, um, let me just use it to the best of my ability, and just be content with that, and being happy for others, knowing that. They're they're um, they're kind of doing their thing. Michael's serving the church, and, and so how can we love each other in that way rather than because if I covet him and I, and I think that um, um, I think that um, maybe I don't know maybe he should uh, teach me more, teach me better. Then then I'll be like, man, that Michael he didn't didn't spend enough time with me. He didn't whatever you know. So you begin to th- have all these weird thoughts um, rather than um, just uh, just being happy for him. Right? Yeah. And I think kind of what Michael said. When I fall in the trap of comparing myself to these people, but then it's never there's never an end to it. Yeah. So like if I whatever if I whatever I'm comparing myself with, if I get to the next level, there's gonna be someone else that's quote unquote better yeah. than me. And then it's you're never really unless you're like very our economy because like when in your workplace, mm-hmm. right, you, you you encounter so many of your coworkers 
who seem to be doing so well, or your superiors, your partners, right, your, mm-hmm. your supervisors. Um, I feel like San Francisco is, like, based on envy, <laughs> right? The entire city is just pulsating with envy, and people climbing and trying to strive <coughs> and inspire. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult to opt out and, and to be content, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a really high calling of Phillips, as he must away. Oh, no, uh. I, I disagree. <laughs> I'll work with Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you'd be like Sammy. Uh, I, I really have to be very visual about uh, not comparing. And, you know, so I, I was just done. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Um, so let's look, move on to this point. Contentment can be learned, right? So it's not like we're just shooting in. <laughs> yes, yes. We're not just shooting not in the dark. <laughs> contentment can be learned. We can... F- we can have this. We can attain contentment. We can we can have this true joy and, and have this uh, life giving attitude of um, just supporting others, being happy for others when they have all this stuff, right? Um, being happy, content with where we are, with where God has placed us, right? Um, that's perfect. I love this one. Philippians four eleven to thirteen. Chelsea, can you back? Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yeah, that's perfect. A lot of people use that verse like uh, in weird ways. Um, <laughs> verse 13. Yes, verse 13. You don't, you don't, you don't tattoo it on your arm? Ah, John Jones, he fought yesterday. He had Philippians 4.13, you know. He's like, I want to be the greatest fighter ever, you know. And so, because um, God's going to give him the strength to do it. So. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, the... the if you look at the context here, it's talking about in in every situation you can be content in God, and and Paul here he says I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Wow, like how can how can we learn this contentment? Right? Paul's writing this in prison. Yes, yeah, and he's been tortured, he's been beat, and um, everyone everyone hates him, and so so he knows <laughs> he know he has found this true joy, this true contentment. That's why I love Philippians. It's super short. I always tell people this, but just read Philippians. It takes like. 10 minutes to read it. Read it every day and you'll be like, oh, Paul, how did I learn this? And you'll, you'll, you'll begin to uh, just pray for these things, right? Um, and so he says here that he has learned through, uh, in whatever situation, right? So every single situation, he knows how to be brought low. Uh, so trials, adversity, um, and he knows how to abound. So in, aben- in abundance, I think this is a hard one, in abundance, when we have plenty, when we're living the life, when we're living large, um, that is a that is a really good test of, is your contentment in God, right? Because a lot of times we'll, we'll put our trust in um, what we have. Like, oh man, I have this million dollar, dollar house. I have a beautiful family, five kids, two dogs, and this American life. Um, like, man, like, if God places you in that situation, like, do you use that to glorify God or do you use that to, use that as kind of your idol? Like, so easy way, like I think uh, Christina said, easy way is if, if you take those things away, is God still your God? Like, are you still happy to be um, to be His children, right? Um, so Paul here says, in every situation, when he is brought low, when he abounds, um, he is he has found the secret to be content, right? And all, and he can do all things through um, Paul can do all things through uh, Christ who strengthens him, right? Um, he can have this contentment. This is what we all long for, right? Because how freeing is it that? That we're able to go face any situation, no matter what, um, and still 
trust God, still love God. Um, I remember, like, I, I used to ask Marsh, I'm like, oh, I would ask Marsh, like, oh, would you, if you were become a potato, as in, like, you lost all your limbs and you had this, like, super debilitating, uh, I, I, I go to extremes, so, it's, um, and not that we should desire to do but I just, just hypothetically, like, if, if you're just bedridden for the rest of your life, like, will you curse God or will you be able to love God and trust that he has, um, he has, um, for you that that he's he's there for you even though we cannot see fully these things right um, and so I, that's a super extreme um, but um, yeah in, in any situation in every situation whatever situation Paul says we can learn this right um, any any thoughts questions before we close out with the last point all right I feel like the, the yes. learning aspect is really encouraging yeah. which means that um, it's a process. It's intentional. It's deliberate. Yeah. Um, it's not something that anyone's naturally gifted at. Yes. Yeah. But that you strive and try and you make progress. <coughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and um, after this last point, we have this uh, this song that I, I love, right? And we'll go through the song. It's just how God uses situations and circumstances in order to know that He is all we need. That we can be content knowing that oh, that's all we need. That's all. That's all I need in life, right? So, um, the law and the gospel. So this kind of recap, kind of the introduce, introduction that uh, that uh, Pastor Michael did for us. Um, it says the law points us to the gospel, right? And so when we see this law, we're like, oh man, I covet all the time. I I sin all the time. I put God. Um, I put all these other things before God all the time. Um, we see. We saw the extent of uh, the law, right? How murder, right? Uh, murder is not just physical act of murdering, but it's hatred in your heart, resentment, animosity towards others, right? Um, and so we fail in every single category, right? But um, but out of great love and mercy, Christ fulfills the law for us. The law we could never keep. He does this so that he can redeem us, right? And so the law shows us our sinfulness. It shows our brokenness. <clears throat> so these Ten Commandments are both... Um, Condemning and also life-giving because we know that we need more than the law to save us, right? And so um, the law points us to Christ. The law points us to the gospel. And then uh, um, ultimately the gospel precedes the law, meaning God rescues us first and then he says, here's the law, right? So we can see the, um, the Israelites after he, after the exodus, he saved them from Egypt and Pharaoh, then um he rescues them first, and then at Mount Sinai, he gives the law. He says, this is, this is what it means to be content. This is what it means to find true joy and happiness in me, right? Even though you're in the desert, this is what it means, right? And so he gives them the law um, after he rescues them. So that order is very important, right? Um, so God, God's grace not only redeems and saves us, but it also empowers us to let go of our idols, uh, to seek godliness, and to worship God alone. And we can grow to live as the image bearers of God we were created to be, right? And so, um, so here is the law. So we have the law here, right? Like, oh no, we can't fulfill it. No, it condemns us. It's a good thing. It points us to the cross, right? Points us to the gospel. And then 
We're like, gospel, oh man, thank God he saves us. We cannot fulfill this law, but Christ fulfills it for us. We, we are redeemed, we are righteous because of Christ's righteousness on us, right? Um, and so from here, um, we can now, we can now f- uh, work and strive to obey the law because we know that the law does not condemn us, right? But again, remember um, of who we are. Um, we're to put on our new self and, and to put to death our old self so we continually work towards our sanctification, towards our growth. And so the law shows us what does true joy mean, right? I do an extra happy face, right? I don't know. True joy, true contentment, true worship. Right? And so the law does this for us. The law is not a bad thing. The law is is ultimately life-giving. And so God says, this is what it means. This is what it means to live a God-fearing, a joyful, a life-giving, a content, um, a selfless life of service, of giving to others, right? Um, and so I won't... Let me just read um, this Ephesians passage for us really quick. And then we'll close out. Um, Tim Keller here says, I love this, the gospel frees us from the law for the law. So the gospel frees us from the demands from, of, um, from the law. And it frees us for the law so that we can obey it. So we can obey it joyfully, so that we can obey it knowing that even when we fail, Christ has covered us already. <coughs> Ephesians 2 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? So we were created for good works. We weren't created just to be saved. Does that make sense? God doesn't save us just to be saved, so we're going to heaven. God created, created us so that we can walk in good works, that we can we can be these image bearers we're meant to be, right? And so if you think God saves you just to be saved, then you don't understand the gospel. God saves us so that we can grow, so that we can grow to be these image bearers, right? Image bearers. Right? And so all humans are image bearers of God. Remember we talked about that. But um, as redeemed... Um, sons and daughters, we know what this, the true image bearer of God means. It go, uh, goes back to Eden, right? That God made man good, and, and we were to um, have this perfect fellowship um, with God, right? And so this is what we're moving towards um, in life. This is our call as as believers, right? The will of God is what is our sanctification, right? Um, First of uh, Thessalonians, right? And so this is where we find true joy, true contentment, true worship, is through obeying God. So we can't just be like, oh, whatever, the, the law is good. I'm saved, I'm good. I don't I don't know about all these laws for me. I'm, I'm already saved. Right? If you have the attitude, dude, very likely you don't understand the gospel, right? And so we're calling you back to the gospel. Like, understand the gospel. We are to be perfect. We are to work, grow in, into this, right? Okay. So very last, uh, very last um, bottom part here. I love this song. It's, uh, I think it's an indelible grace song. It's just a re- rehashing of um, this old hymn by John Newton. Um, it's called I Ask the Lord. Let me read it for us. Um, John, Newton said, John Newton says this, I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. So John Newton is praying that, oh, let, grow me, help, help me to know God, help me to grow um, in love for you, right? Okay, and then what happens? Twas he who taught me thus to pray, and he I trust has answered prayer. But it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. So God did teach him, 
but it wasn't the way that he thought it would be, right? He says, it was in such a way that has caused me to to really despair, to really be like, why would you teach me this way, right? I hope that in some favorite hour, at once he'd answer my request, and by his love's constraining power, subdue my sins and give me rest. So he's praying like, okay, God, help me to um, subdue my sin. Help me just to find joy in you. Help me to know that you are there for me, right? Instead, instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. So God brings um, John Newton to this place of anguish. He brings him to the grave, to this desert land, right? And where, um, where ultimately his idols, his all these hidden evils of his heart, they, they come up, right? And so um, it's not easy to, to have your sins and idols revealed to you, right? Because God's asking you to give it up, right? And so that's what's happening. Yea, more with his own hand he seemed intent to aggravate my woe. God is continually um, um, making it really hard for him, like pull it, um, making it uh, anguish, making it really, really bad for him, right? Cross all the fair designs I schemed. He's like, okay, I, John Noon's like, okay, I think, I think if I do it this way, I'll find contentment in God. I'll, I'll know God. But no, God's like, no. He blasted my gourds. Gourds is like a, a jar. And laid me low. Lord, why is this? I trembling cried. Wilt thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way the Lord replied. I answer prayer for grace and faith. So so God is saying, this is why. This is why I did this for you. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayst find thy all in me. So God brings you to this place. He brings you to the desert. He brings you to the grave so that he can uh, show you, you who, what your idols are. He can show you the evils of your heart so that you can set it free, so that you can know that God um, is, is there for you, so you can know that God is all you need. Right? So we don't need all this, um, all this crazy stuff, um, whatever that looks like for you, to find joy and contentment. All you need is God. Right? Hebrews 13.5 is, is perfect, right? Uh, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the promise that God has for us. Ultimately, is a do we trust that or do we not? Okay. You guys have any questions or thoughts before we pray? Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for um, for grace. We thank you for Jesus for making us new. Uh, we thank you that um, you love us and you care for us even when we can't care for ourselves. We thank you that you are everything and that you are all we need. But we pray, Father, that you would make that real for us. Help us to know that you are all we need, Father. And whatever circumstances we have are going through or will go through or have gone through, help us to know that no matter what, we can find true joy, true contentment, true worship, that we could be these uh, true image bearers that you called us to be. Um, And so continue to strip us of our idols, though it may hurt. Help us to support each other to wrap our arms around each other as we um, just live life, Father. Life isn't easy, but we thank you that uh, there's grace and that you cover us, God. And so uh, make us new people, Father, and and help us to grow in that. Help us know who we are. We love you. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen.